The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. uncertain times when so many decisions are needing to be made, where do you even begin? Where is it the place that you are to start? This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. In 1947, Dr. Carl Zimmerman wrote a text called Family and Civilizations. He listed 11 symptoms of a final decay of the Greek and the Roman civilizations, and throughout history we've seen these things replay themselves. We've seen over and over and over. It's the same pattern. I know there is a study I looked at years ago that showed 65 civilizations that were studied by sociologists, and they came to the same conclusion. The disinterest in family caused them to fall. The interest in family and monogamous relationships and marriage built the civilization. So Zimmerman listed 11 of these faults that will cause a fall. One he listed as no-fault no divorce. Two is birth death, which increased disrespect 
for parenthood and parents. Second was acceptance of all forms of adultery. Then, meaningless marriage and rites and ceremonies, which ours is the way today. What a marriage means. People want to get married in balloons and all kinds of things. The ones that get married in churches just want it for the pictures. Next, defamation of past national heroes. We see that today. We don't want to quote our forefathers. We revile them. We have revisionists, have textbooks already printed, waiting to go into action this school term in public schools and Christian schools that defame our forefathers. I know George Washington, I was always taught to respect him greatly for his honesty. You remember the story. I cannot tell a lie. I, I chopped down the cherry tree. The integrity of this man was irreproachable. And even today, if you go to Mount Vernon places, they'll say the same thing. Yet revisionists want to say that he was wild. That if he was disturbed in his tent, he started shooting his gun. Where'd this stuff come from? There's a book I just received called, is it called For the Glory? or in the, in the, I think it's Sacred Fire. Sacred Fire. It's all about George Washington. It's all about his letters of how he promoted Christianity, how he wrote pastors and praised them for the sermons and added things for the sermons. And the book is not a half inch thick. It's not an inch thick. It's not even two inches thick. It's over that. Our national heroes are filled with these things of virtue. Virtue is what makes you holy. We have a lot of national heroes that were holy. Because we've gone by the way of those things Zimmerman just listed and more to come, I'm about to tell you. We defame them. We have to defame them so you won't listen to them and you'll listen to what they're saying. The next is widespread attitudes of feminism, narcissism, and hedonism. We've already gone through that phase. We've gone through the previous phases I've mentioned already, the Zimmerman list. Then you go to propagation of anti-family sentiment. I wrote about that. It ain't going to happen. About how women are harmed by having babies. They don't do as well as those who put off having babies. Or don't have them at all. They make more money. That's what motherhood's about. That's his purpose today. Widespread attitudes of feminism, narcissism, and hedonism. We're there, and we're beyond that. Propagation of anti-family sentiment. That's prevalent. What does that breed? The next he lists, nine, would be rebellious children. And then the next is increased juvenile delinquency. And then after that, acceptance of alternative marriage forms. And that's the church has accepted this. The Christians have accepted this. Oh, I won't do that. I'm not for that. I vote against it. But you're allowing people in public to put this in your face and you do nothing about this? And with the acceptance of alternative marriage forms, doesn't matter whether it's legal, it's being done, comes the next and the last. 
the Zimmerman list. Common acceptance of all forms of perversion by bondable lifestyles. I added by bondable lifestyles because that's what he's talking about. He's more explicit, and I won't say it on our radio program. Because even in describing the things, we need to remain in our talk with virtue. And so there's an acceptance. The pinnacle, the signs to watch, is when any civilization goes through these things, and there's one that he misses, and that starts off, the first one I would list, is the violation of the Sabbath, because it seemingly is non-significant. But that's where we trip. And when we get back up, we're not on the same path. We have about 50 other paths we can go. And we're all on those paths scattered, divided, falling apart. And the further we walk down, the further it wises off from each other. And so we're a people worldwide of division. Diversity is what everybody calls it. Diversity. Christianity is not filled with diversity. Christianity is filled with union. If I'm praying, my wife's praying, and we may be divided on something, and we come in union with God, He's center. We become in union. If we're doing the same thing as husband and wife, and our neighbors are praying, and they're praying for God, and we're divided on something, they come in union with God, we become in union because we're headed toward one central thing. Christianity unites. It does not divide. It does not focus on diversity. This is a very sinful thing. We mention it in the pulpits. Oh, diversity. Let's respect diversity. This is from devil. This is from evil. This is from evil that wants to begin his rule and teach you this great lie. It's not Jesus' words. Jesus' words are very clear. Make my joy complete. Be of one mind, one heart. How do you do that in diversity? Big lie. And you sit there in the pew and listen to the priest on the puppet say, Diversity. On the liberal priests that give these kind of crazy sermons from the devil. Oh, I shouldn't be saying that. I'm not condemning the priests. I'm saying what their philosophies are. It's wrong. Any of them's wrong. Anybody that spouts this is wrong. And so diversity leads to what? Well, they live a bondable lifestyle. I don't like it. I know it's a bondable. I'm against it. But what can I do about it? You better do something about it. The public acceptance of this is against Romans 1.32. I think it's verse 32. And they tolerate it. That's you and me. You can't tolerate this in the public where they come up with the point and stick this in your face and say, you're going to accept this. You're going to accept it in public or actions. The things we do together, an abomination, public signs of that. You accept that, then you've accepted your own murder. Because to accept this is to accept the retribution that comes from God for this. It's the one sign when you reach that pinnacle that there's nothing for God to do except for Him to come back and correct it. The signs are there, people. It's all there. 65 civilizations studied. The Roman Empire studied. The Greek empires studied. This is where we are. And what are you going to do? You better fight it. You won't let your children see something bad or evil. And we're letting this happen in public. Relationships that are 
perverse, abominable, God comes back at that point. When you reach that, there's nothing left for God to do to correct man's conscience and his wayward ways because both the Christians and the abominables are in the same boat. We get in their boat when we accept that. Well, I don't like that, but, you know, that's what you do. No. I've read conservative people, their talks or their, their, their writings, and even the politicians who are Christian. Who say, oh, I'm against this, I don't believe in that, but you know, I can't judge that. Yes, you can judge that. What's wrong with you? What do you mean you can't judge something like that? You're going to allow society to become that perverse because you say, I can't judge that? Then don't judge adultery. Be for it. Get out there and march for placards and say, I'm for adultery. Yeah, that's a good thing. Just like they march for their abomination. What are you doing, Christians? Nothing. Oh, we're going to go through the courts. We're going to go fight. We're going to do this. There's a time that comes to get in the temple and turn it upside down. And it's about time we do that because it's too late, really. The only thing you can do is distance yourself from these things. Speak out against it. Don't be silent. I don't expect you to get out there as an individual to do it. Or at least you can't. You get out as an individual... You can do nothing. Our lady just told us. As individuals, you cannot stop the evil. But I tell you what, if you saw something at a park and the Christians in there got up, 50 of them, and confronted that, you can do something about it. And you won't be in sin, I'm telling you. You don't put up with it. I was on the mountain in Medjugorje. They told some of the people, don't go up there selling or profane the site on Apparition Mountain. And here's a guy about 25 setting up a souvenir shop on at, in the evening. Now, it's dark. To sell souvenirs right there outside of where the apparition is going to be. Here comes four of the villagers. Big guys, the Croatian men. They weren't 20 years old. They're 40 and 50 years old. They told the guy to leave. He resisted. They told him again to leave. I could tell. I couldn't understand language, but they were saying, they were pointing down here, get back, get this stuff out of here. Now, he refused. Next thing I knew, there was four or five fists sitting on this guy. They weren't going to let him profane that. You're going to let your kids see things that be profaned that you wouldn't let them open a magazine and see the same thing they'd be arrested for? Where's our common law? This has always been against law. It's against common law. Invoke it. Attorneys out there. Anybody's got any courage, any guts, stand up against this stuff. What are we doing? Nothing. The signs are there for something to happen. And we do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh, they're nice people. They're the most vicious group out there. They're suicides ahead of, ahead of anybody else. Their depression is ahead of every other group of people. Their unhappiness is the same. It's a vicious people. Very vicious. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing moral that sanctifies it. There's nothing that you can say that this will be a good for people that's not connected to it. Abraham and Lot was told to get out. Let me save it. Abraham, go ahead and try. Do like what Christians are doing today. Try to save it. And what happened? He couldn't. What did God do? He did. 
And God's a did. God did things, and he's going to do things today and tomorrow. Watch, people. And you're in the midst of it. Economically, as part of it. Warnings, earthquakes, things that are happening. The signs are there. I live in San Diego, and these days the people of my area get a bit edgy as the end of October approaches. While most of the country is gathering frost on pumpkins, we are experiencing extreme heat, low humidity, and powerful winds. Perfect conditions for devastating wildfires that devour everything in their path. In 2003, we lived through the firestorm that consumed more than 390,000 acres of land, destroyed 2,430 homes, and inflicted $2.2 billion in property damage. In October 2007, the National Weather Service issued a red flag warning indicating that conditions were ripe for another major wildfire. On Sunday, October 21st, while we were worshiping in our first morning service, ominous billows of smoke began to rise from the back country, 33 miles away. When I walked out of church that morning, I could see the smoke and the frightening images of 2003 returned to my mind. The San Diego Fire Department, using a sophisticated new warning system called Reverse 911, sent phone messages to homes that were in harm's way. The messages were short and to the point. This area, get out. This area, get out. Thousands of San Diegans evacuated their homes. But, as is always the case, some refused to leave. In an attempt to protect their home, one father and his 15-year-old son chose to remain behind when the rest of their family evacuated. Two and a half hours into the fire, Captain Ray Rapu of Cal Fire ordered them to evacuate the area immediately. The father got into his pickup truck, his son got on an ATV, and they started to leave their property. But for reasons unknown, when Fire Engine 3387 drove onto their property, both the father and his son turned around and went back to the house. The captain again warned them to evacuate because of the dense smoke. The father jumped on the ATV with his son, but lack of oxygen caused the ATV to, in, to stall out. Then they both climbed into the fire engine and were warned to stay in the cab while the firefighters continued their work. Soon, depleted oxygen, intense heat, and choking smoke drove the firefighters to attempt their own escape. But the now overloaded fire engine also stalled. What happened next is, next is called a burnover. Before the firefighters could deplore deploy their tent-like emergency shelters inside the cab, the windows exploded from the heat of the fire advancing from the double-wide home. Fireman Brooke Lindman was trying to comfort the panicked young man when ferocious flames leapt into the cab. The boy let out a terrible scream as nearly half his body was severely burned. He kept asking me if we were going to die, reported the fireman later. I said, no, we're not going to die. The captain ordered the firefighters and the young man out of the burning cab, and they sought refuge behind large rocks on the property. Overhead in a command airplane, Cal Fire Chief Ray Cheney reported hearing over his radio a primal scream from the ground below, the wrenching sound and plaintive, agonized spurts. 
Chief Cheney was able to guide a helicopter through the dense smoke to within a few feet of the trapped group. Two minutes later, the helicopter lifted off with its cargo of the injured and quickly returned for the two others. All the res rescued were then transported to a trauma center. The father died in that blaze. The son and four heroic fire personnel were severely burned. As I write this chapter five months later, the young man remains hospitalized. We will never know why this man and his son chose to disregard the repeated warnings. But the point, point came when all warnings were futile. There was no longer any time to run. Living in the fire zone of Southern California has made me aware of the importance of warnings. As I look at world events through the lens of God's prophetic word, I have become acutely aware of the warning signs. But warnings are useful only if we heed them. As the prophetic clock moves towards its final strike, we must not wait until it's too late to move out of harm's way. The admonition of Paul to the Roman believers should spur us to action. From Romans chapter 13, 11, Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Knowing the meaning behind the events we see in the daily news helps us to understand what is going on in the world. Today's headlines show the wisdom of Paul's warning. It is high time for us to wake out of sleep and realize that things will not continue to go on indefinitely as they are now. Indeed, things are coming to a head. Events are moving us toward the moment when warnings will be too late and we will be caught in the firestorm of a great evil that will trouble the world before Christ finally returns to set things right. The question for you is, are you heeding the warnings? Are you prepared to stand before God? Have you accepted His offer of salvation? He is telling us by the events that surround us that the window of opportunity will soon be gone. Please do not wait until it is too late. And that's from What in the World's Going On, a book. And it was written actually three or four or five years ago, I think. But it's true. And as was written, know that the warnings of the events on the news, what do they tell you? One can say, well, the earthquake we just had, you know, we've had earthquakes 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. So why should we think different of it now? Because we've got other signs that parallel that. Nature's always been obedient to God. Nature has no free will. Nature acts according to God. Our Lady said physical laws can be suspended. Earthquakes can be stopped. Wars can be stopped even, which have a lot of free will in it involved with the war. If you can stop that, do you think you can't stop an earthquake? So then the argument is why 100 years ago and maybe we were immoral at that time? Well, it always brings people back to humility. always teaches people something. But it doesn't always mean that there's something autonomous coming unless it's paralleled with these 11 things listed. We're prevalent degradation. You get those two matching up, you better be warned by that sign that something's up and something's coming and it's not good. The fact the whole East Coast was just shaking about that earthquake. I have dared to think the thought that people 
are really being more thoughtful. Not because just the earthquake, but because we know the economy is crashing. We know our whole world as we know it is crashing. We know morality is decayed to a point that history tells us no civilization exists today that went through that and flourished. You don't flourish with a bottom lifestyle. Oh, here it comes. Here's a country over here. That's the the uh, the grandson of Sodom. They're flourishing. You don't flourish. Your culture destroys itself. First Romans says, man turned, or God turned man over to himself. Man without God destroys itself. Man doing unnatural sin does not want God. There's nothing left but to conclude that. And the thing to make your new culture is to distance yourself from this, rise up with 50 people in the park, and stop these things in your, your community. Don't allow it. Just since August 2nd, 2011, when Our Lady said, evil wants to begin to rule in this world and destroy it. It's, I'm amazed just in that last couple of weeks how much this sin is everywhere as far as putting it in print, as far as uh, different organizations being attacked for it, as far as having to do lawsuits. Well, it just like came out of the box all of a sudden. It's been there, but it's ex- exponentially growing with the new school year. Do research on it. What they're doing in teaching these children. Oakland, California, the kingpin starting in the public school system. So why am I going on and on for this? Because it's a sign that we as Christians quit living the Sabbath. And through living the Sabbath, we quit loving God. Because God's not first. Our entertainment's the first. Our sports events are first. Our traveling is first. Our neglecting the Sabbath brought all this about. All the way up to the pinnacle to where God's got to come back now to this perversion. Because from the Sabbath, it goes not loving God, the first commandment, love thy God with all your heart. Then you don't love your neighbor. From there, you start having what Zimmerman said. The acceptance of most forms of adultery. And from there, deterioration marriage and divorce, no fault. From there, you keep going. You just keep climbing the ladder to where we are today. We have plenty of opportunities to turn around. From 70 with abortion to open it up all the way to now. But we didn't. So now we got the big sign. The one big thing. And maybe we need to start tearing it back down backwards. You know, get your house in order. Get your heart in order. Start living the Christian life. Walk the way you're supposed to walk. And from there, make sure you're in union with God. And then you confront this, this sin. You confront it. You don't let it in your community. You fight it. You don't let it in your schools. You do what you have to do. Fifty of you, a hundred of you. Turn the school desk upside down. You're completely within your right when children are being molested in the heart. It's the same thing as adultery in the heart. It's a physical molestation. Do you understand that? Do you realize that? Or do you not have the wisdom to see it? Then you don't believe Jesus Christ. Because I tell you, he who commits adultery in the heart commits Adultery. So what's the difference? There's not any difference. If you're allowing these school kids, these little children, their hearts to be corrupted in this thing, and what they're teaching, there's nothing else left. So we're in serious trouble. So what do you do? You've got to change yourself first. You've got to convert. You've got to come become holy, become virtuous. And then don't tolerate these things. 
leave sin behind. What's this got to do with metagenomics? Everything. One of the fruits of the tree we're picking is this economy, is this situation, is economics, and we won't be able to sustain ourselves. And so, yes, this is why we came with the Maracas metal Medjugorje round, the silver one-ounce piece, to put what you have into something to convert. We hope Abominable will get this in his pocket. Our lady said, pray for their salvation. We want their salvation. But what we won't accept is their public behavior to be tolerated in law and in front of us. Big difference. We've grown to love the sinner and love the sin. There's a blur between those two things. You can disdain the sin. You can stop the sin. You have a right. By not doing so now, we're not right. And for, for two centuries, there was laws against this on the books. It's still there in many places. That's what I was talking about. Attorneys, rise up and put these things. And it's common law. And act common law. But do we have the courage and the guts to do it? Not if we're in sin. Not if we're not living righteous. Not if we're living the Sabbath. No. Frank? Yeah, well, um, this you know show is, is very good. It has everything to do with the economy and metagenomics, and it's exactly how I how I feel this uh, this sense of urgency. When I heard the message, now that evil wants to begin to rule, it was almost like the message, now that Satan is unchanged. It seemed like evil has been ruling, you know, for quite some time. Once they get control of the monetary system, then they're the real government and the government. And so what I think of today is, is that if evil wants to begin to rule, first they probably are going to take all the money. And they can easily do that. Markets can easily be manipulated. And uh, this is very serious. And the tone of the show is very serious because we're at a very serious time. And I don't know why the world can't figure out when you are awash with fiat money, the answer to the problem is honest money created by God. But for some reason, the world can't see this right now. And because of the miraculous metal Medjugorje round, which we're hearing more and more miracles now, uh, um, someone healed from cancer, they put the miraculous metal, I think it was um, major organ cancer, maybe liver cancer or something like this, no signs of cancer. And so in many, many uh, conversions, and so we do have a moral problem, and this is the answer to our moral problem, and honest money is the answer to allowing foreigners the right to issue currency and you know, every government should take back that right. That's the that's the answer to the economic problems. We have to suffer the consequences of this fiat money scam, and there's no way out of that. But we have to allow governments to issue currency to their own uh, countries and not outside private individuals. And until that happens, you must come out of the system come out of this and not contribute to it because it's a dishonest system. The whole paper markets, they're all dishonest. There's an honest way out, and 
God is warning his people just like he warned um, Abraham and Lot. And this is the exact same thing today, is that uh, come out of the system and get real tangible things, and particularly the silver miraculous metal round, instead of Federal Reserve notes, it will be a cause for conversion in the future. Well, indicators are there. We've repeatedly said this week after week after week, and yet people don't act. They want to be a little cautious. Lot wanted a delay. The angel came and grabbed them briskly and swept them off. There was not another day to wait. And if you want to, you'll be swept with it. There's nothing you can argue. There's nothing you can do to persuade against truth. The truth of the matter is, we're on the verge of the abyss. You'll be with it or get out of it. And of course, just to get out of this and preserve your wealth and looking from that intention without preserving your soul and your spirit and changing morally, when we're infected with moral decay, we have to look at ourselves first, not others. That's where we start. And by living that, you become strong in conviction and the Christian principles that we've got to return our culture. And I say, oh, you are our, I don't mean the present culture. That's gone. You can forget it. It's a, it's a has-been. It is destined. Just like a week before knowing the flood, before the flood started, everything out there. Somebody came to Noah. Hey, Noah, you got a bunch of carpenters. Can you come over here? This is five years before the flood. They see all these crews out there working on it. He's paying these people, whatever. His family's there. Can you come help me fix the leaking roof? He probably wouldn't do that for his own wife. Why, 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 honey, should I go a week before the flood and start doing repairs on the house? Don't worry about this culture. It's passing. And they says, don't lose time. You're not its master. We're there. And what you can do, get your spiritual house in order. Get your physical house in order because the physical environment you reside in can be the conducive to the spiritual life. And that's why Satan wants to promote this abominable abomination of sin. And I'm not talking about economics. I'm talking about the flesh abomination lifestyles. He wants to make it prevalent so he can infect more moral decay and those who are immoral, or at least make them tolerate it and sin through tolerance. That's what diversity, tolerance and diversity. This is straight from the lips of the devil. When you hear it, the people who are ignorant who are saying it, they've been brainwashed. Are they part of the system? Are they really under dark spirits? Just like Romans says, First Romans 18.32. Keep studying this. Keep reading this. This tells you everything you need to know. Everything you need to get away from. We're out of time, Frank. If someone wants to talk to you about their situations or their, their 401ks, about why we are saying, not as financial experts, but as biblical worldview, a message view, the signs of the times, knowing those things, when we say to get out of these things, all from that, Scripture, you can call Frank, ask those questions about why we're saying to do that, and he can speak to the technical terms of the money part. And Frank's not a financial advisor. In fact, that's one thing. We don't tell you necessarily to get away from the bankers or um, the, your CPAs and th that kind of thing. They're with us on this. The only people who's not with us is financial advisors. 
they get a piece of your income if you're in that bracket where you have your money managed and make money on it. So they're not going to be for this. Don't expect them to. No matter how much they smile, how courteous they are to you, this contradicts their way they're, they're living. And they're making money on this. Don't expect getting correct advice from them. They will not give it to you. We heard somebody tell us, well, this guy prayed with us and he was a good Catholic and he did this and, and for years we've trusted him. And he took our $700,000 and it's gone now. Skip the country. I'm not saying everybody in that state is that way of that heart and mind, but they belong to a system that always will put their, their interest and your investment of your money to their advantage to keep you. They don't want you to pull it out and put it in miraculous metal magical rounds because it takes autonomy from them and in your hands. It's yours at that point. So, Frank, give them your address and phone. Yeah, um, the phone number is 877-936-7686. The email address is globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. Our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. And the phone number, again, is 877-936-7686. And can I just say that, uh, speaking of the markets being manipulated, this week there was a lot of options that were going to expire in 40 and $41, and they uh, can easily manipulate the markets and the paper markets because they don't have the silver to deliver, and it has provided us with a uh, tremendous gift. So um, the physical that, silver... The that, gift, that gift of getting physical silver for cheap, still cheap. Yeah, because it's just, there's no real sellers. It's, it's, it's a paper phenomena on an expiration week, and... It, Silver could look like, uh, silver in September might look like gold did in, in August, but we certainly don't predict the short term. But call us, and uh, I just wanted to mention that. Okay. Well, this always, we pray for you, we love you, we love the sinners, but we will fight every moment we can after we get our house in order in conviction. And remember, nature obeys God. It has no will on its own. And the earthquake in the National Cathedral of our nation and one of the points on it, breaking, is yet another sign. Goodbye. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.